Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am your host, Danger, and joining me is my co-host, Monster. Say hi, Monster. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a little peek behind the curtain. It's not morning for us. <laughs> I'm trying to create an illusion here. You are. God. You are. You you are trying to create an illusion. So on this episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast, we are talking about our first request, our first fan. I don't. Is he a fan? Is David a fan? Our friend David actually sent us this request. <laughs> so he sent us um, Eve Six's third album. It's all in your head. So Monster, what is your opinion of this album? Well, first, let me give my opinion of David. Yes, he's my friend. <laughs> no, he, 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 he's a friend. And, you know, he's a yeah. friend who also really likes what we do. So Yeah, I was just getting ready to say, he is a mutual friend of ours. Uh, you worked with him for a little while. I've played uh, music with him a little bit. But he's also a genuine fan of this show, and he likes the way we tackle these albums. So he was like... He kept texting me like, I'm going to find an album I want you guys to do. And finally, he came up with this one. And I'm glad he did. I was not uh, expecting this pick from from David. No. Knowing no. knowing the music that he uh, he likes, I was not expecting Eve 6. It's all in your head. Now, he, he likes good music. I have nothing against the music that he likes, but this is not. This is left field for him. Yeah, David and I share a unhealthy love of 311 together. We, yes. We're kind of on the same wavelength there. Now, as far as I go, I actually do have a little bit of a history with this band. Um, one of the first big concerts I ever went to was July 30th, 1998. Third Eye Blinds, I think it was called like the Campfire Tour or something like that. They they just had the one album out, but it had the singles were out. They were starting to get popular. And so it was Third Eye Blind with Our Lady Peace and Eve Six. And at that point, I had heard Inside Out, and I probably had the first album, and I liked it a lot. And they were good live. I, you know how the first band is. I think they played five songs. I couldn't. Right. All I remember was they were a three-piece. I remember that. Yeah. And I was a, I was a big fan of weirder stuff. I will all, even back in you know being uh, I would have been thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah. So like I was ready for Our Lady Peace because they were pretty weird back in those days. But Eve Six was good, and and I listened to their first album and their second album, Horoscope, a lot. Yes, I never never really listened to this one. I sort Me of either. fell off after the first two. I kind of think most people did. I yes. think Horoscope came out, and we'll get to the single off of this record. But when they released that single, I think people sort of were like, "Ooh, this isn't this doesn't sound like Horoscope at all." No. <laughs> I, I listened to a lot of Horoscope, and I actually listened to Horoscope a lot more than I listened to that first album. And, you know, everybody remembers the uh, the the big single off of the first album, but Horoscope was a great album. And I actually have said that many times that more people should have listened to it because it showed a great progression of Eve 6. And I think this album actually showed a, showed a progression of Eve 6 as well. But Horoscope was a highly underrated album. I think a lot of people fell off after the first album, and then you had some people hang on to the second, and then there was one song off of this that people listened to that I heard everywhere at one point. Yeah. But as a whole, this album is quite different from previous Eve 6 well, we've heard. And, and I'll say Eve 6's first album, Inside Out, is probably the biggest song they've ever had. Rendezvous, 
right. guarantee that even if people listening, you don't know that name. If you heard this song, you'd immediately recognize it. Right. Um, but Horoscope did not have a single as big as that, but it had three or four that hit the radio. And Here's to the Night might even be almost as big as Inside Out. I forgot um, here's to the night. Yeah. Okay. But again, those are sort of poppy. Right. And this album specifically is about half and is, half. Yeah, it's it's honestly and this might you might think I'm reaching here but I'm be, I honestly think this. This album came out July 1st, 2003. And when I hear it, I hear some of that second wave of new metal post grunge kind of puddle of mud stained stuff starting to trickle into their sound here. I don't, I don't hear the new metal as much, but I definitely hear the other part of what you're talking about. I, especially in the latter half of the album and I'll, I'll yeah. talk about that as we go through it, but it, uh, yeah. it, it, it definitely stepped away from the popier, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the popier pop punk, you know, as they were doing when they first came out, which to people who don't know, they actually had a record contract in hand when they left high school with RCA. They, yeah, they were young when that first album came out. Yeah, they were like Silverchair Young when they first when the first one came out. And so they were, you know, just coming out of high school and they were like, you know what? We got a record contract. We're going to make it big. And then they made it-ish, you know, yeah. for a bit. And they had a smell of success. And, you know, the album, the music didn't really have time to really grow and mature and all because they were young when they did it. Yeah. And so this album definitely steps away from the pop punk sound for parts of it. I'm not going to say the entire thing does. Yeah. And, and I feel like, I feel like the first album had a mix of everything. There was some alt rock, there was some grunge stuff, but it was still really catchy. And then the second album, they really went like bigger on the hook and they had a bigger budget. You could tell by the production and I feel you can like tell by the album art. Oh yeah. Everything about it was, yeah. The first album is like a white background with a dark, ugly fly on it. Yeah. And then the second album is this beautiful anime. Like it looks like a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Which actually the album art for this, I actually, I, I liked the album art, but then I liked it more <laughs> when I realized that a friend of the lead singer, Max Collins, he had a friend that did uh, like wood pressing, wood art type stuff. Yeah, that's what the album cover is. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I thought the the body of the person without the head sort of resembled like a tree trunk. And I I guess that all kind of goes together. But I think so on this album, musically, they decided to sort of push back against what horoscopes sounded like. I think that they almost, I don't want to say overcorrected, but they were like, okay, we're getting known as this like pop punk band. We want to be taken more seriously. So we're going to put out this angsty, grungy kind of rock album and kind of hits and misses, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I think what we kind of saw happen was horoscope was a good album. I really enjoyed it, but you're right. They absolutely did go bigger on the hooks there. And I think that that's partly because, of what became big off of their first album. They wrote more stuff that was like that for for Horoscope. And then it's like they kind of went, 
you know, going into the studio for horoscope, they went, you know what? We're going to do other stuff that's just like that, that made it big, so we can have this album be just as big as that one song. And then they made an album that had a couple, you know, couple radio hits on it. And then it's like in the touring of that album and in the studio, they went, we want to kind of do things a little bit different. And, yeah. and so I think you kind of saw, like, even with that second album, you saw a little bit of, like, you know, where they were kind of writing stuff they wanted to, but they were still trying to use the popularity that they had and use what they learned from that. And then this one is where they went, you know what? We're going to go all in on what we want. So before we get into the track by track, let me ask you just sort of a broad spectrum answer. How do you feel about you, the singer Max Collins? Is that right? So. Yep. How do you feel about a, his voice and then B, his lyrics. Okay, so I didn't break down the lyrical content too much. There's a couple mm -hmm. songs that, you know, had certain lines that kind of jumped out to me and all, but nothing really stood out to me as far as his lyrics go. So overall, I'm going to say that's fine. His voice, I think his voice is going to be the one thing that always keeps them in pop-punk territory. He has that pop-punk tone in his voice and if they're wanting to get away from that he has to learn to either change the way he's singing or they got to get a new singer and or become eve seven and have a new new member oh not not cool with that <laughs> um yeah so the lyrics i think are actually okay so again inside out was kind of known for his quirky lyrics right and there's some of that here there was a lot of that on horoscope and some of it here and to your point, I feel like the quirky lyrics with the nasally vocal just sort of will always give them this air of silliness when they don't mean it. Yeah. Like I mentioned the new metal thing earlier and you said you didn't hear it. We'll get to a couple tracks here that I think you replace his voice with the voice of a jacoby shaddix from papa roach or a mike shinoda or one of those like lower register fast rap talking kind of vocal and this becomes a new metal track but because he's got that nasally register it, it keeps it in that kind of uh it's not a one-to-one -one, but it almost reminds me like when some 41 starts getting goofy and throws in a rap verse you know like yeah, I it, think yeah. The, I think some tracks I can I can kind of put that together on. I don't think all of them, I, mm -hmm. I at all. I don't, especially not all, not all of them. No, just, just a couple. No, especially track one. Without you here. This track, I really felt like was just a straightforward drums, bass, guitar, pop punk emo, or not pop punk emo, uh, just pop punk Eve 6 song. I think it's kind of a, a bridge from Horoscope into what this album kind of changes into. I do not think this is the best opener. And I think I do not, I do not think that because the rest of the album isn't really reflective of this this first song. It does a good job of setting the dark tone of this album because this this album is a dark album. It is not a happy time. No, <laughs> you know? no, he uh, 
I think it's pretty clear that he is a man scorned. A woman did him wrong. And 80% of this album is about that. Now, musically, I agree. I like how this starts. Quit looking at the clock. It'll only bring me down. And it won't bring you here. If I pulled out a- it's very aggressive. It's, it is very punk. The drum beat is, is really fast. But the first thing, the immediate thing that jumped out to me, and maybe it's just because I'm a musician, but there's something wrong with the production. Like, it's muddy. It like, is. this could have, this really could have just, just shot out of the gate and punched you in the mouth. But instead, it's sort of just, it's fast, it's aggressive, but it kind of lays back because the mix is so muddy it just i don't know like it doesn't have a lot of punch yeah it kind of presents itself as like a hey guys we're here we're getting started it doesn't come in with anything wow and i think it's because the production that we have on some other tracks where the kind of muddied production the like where it's not perfectly dialed in works on some places but not yeah. for the clean pop punk sound. It's funny that, and, and this isn't necessarily their fault. I think this was probably deliberate, but you come off of a big budget record like Horoscope that has this bright, shiny production into something like this. It it just sounds strange. Like if they would have had Horoscope clean production on this song, I feel like it would have hit you better but i think they purposely wanted it to sound this way but what's funny what's funny though is this is a album that came out in 2003 september 2003 but or july sorry july 22nd 2003 okay but the production sounds like 93 it sounds like and i think that's where some of the mix of styles is getting in my head is because it doesn't sound like a grunge song but it's mixed like a grunge record in a lot of places. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't really think about it that way. I just felt like the, uh, the, I felt like it was recorded through a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Very muffled. Yeah. Very muffled. Yeah. And except his voice, his voice is like the same, uh, the same voice that we've had for a long time, but it, it felt like, you know, everything else was, was muffled and, was struggling to get the sound out. Let's put it that way. But then on track two, think twice. Come around, I'll let you feel the burn. Think twice before you touch my girl. Come around, no more. She spreads her love. She burns me up. You still kind of have that kind of production, but this sounds more like a 90s alternative rock song. So it it kind of works better for me. And I, I can see why they would use this as a single because it is catchy, but it's also dark. So you kind of give people like, hey, we're Eve 6. You remember that last album we put out? Here's to the night. Okay, now we're pissed off. You're either with it or you're not. Yeah, more or less. And I honestly had a hard time when approaching this song, even on its own, like listening to it from beginning to end the album from beginning to end because it's the second song here and i've heard this song a million times yeah it's it's really hard to do that for me with songs that i have 
heard over and over and over again to isolate it and be able to pick it apart because it's just so middle of the road for this album. It is it's a catchy song, but it's far from the best thing here on this album. It you know, and we've talked about plenty of times that the single that gets released everybody knows is not the best song on the album and th- this is not the best song on on this album by far. No, but I think it it was in their minds it was them saying, "Okay, this has a little bit of that old Eve 6 sound." But lyrically and production-wise, it's darker and it's more angsty. This will be a good encompassing. Yeah, I get that. Of the, of the vibe. I, so I, I, I see that. why they would, would do that. A funny side note: this doesn't happen as often as as it used to, just because of how much music I'm constantly like consuming and seeking out. But this was a good example of. I did not know that was the name of this song. I did not know this was Eve Six. But when it started, I was like, oh, yeah, I do know this song. Yeah, I I knew the name of the song and I knew it was Eve Six, but I didn't put together that it was on this album because honestly, Same. I thought it was on the album before this horoscope because it's been mm-hmm. so long since I've listened to that album. I don't really have a lot of reference for what that one was. And so when this one came on, it was, oh, wait, this is here. OK. And I gave it an honest listen and I could not separate my. Uh, my dislike of a song being burnt out from hearing it too many times. I mean, this was on this was on every American Pie type movie in 2003, 2004. It was on every soundtrack for those movies. I got tired of it. Of course, I ate those movies up in my you know later high school years and after high school because who didn't on some level? You know. Yeah, I I was more into like Harold and Kumar more than the. But see, like American Pie stuff. Well, see, like I, I feel like there's a bridge between those. I mean, I love to Harold and Kumar as well, but it's just those like high school comedy type movies, whatever. Yeah. 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 So you know, again, I just had trouble separating that from it. You know, it's a fine song, but it's not the best song here. This this whole album has that early two thousands high school movie energy to it in a yeah. lot of places. Yeah. In a lot of places, but not the whole thing. And I'm going to really kind of uh, gush on a certain section of this album. I'm just okay, going to go ahead okay. and tell you that. So, all right. Track three, At Least We're Dreaming. This was the second, so the second single for this album, if you didn't know. Because I did not know. I had no idea. I had never heard this song before either. And I was pretty sure they released Think Twice. It did not do super well. And then people they thought didn't twice release about releasing about Think, listen to them more. Yeah. And then they didn't put out another album for nine years. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. This song has a great intro. It's, it's just a great little intro. Um, and this is one of the better ones off of the album. I agree. It's not my favorite. It's got some good guitar hooks. It's got a chorus that's made to be yelled. It's like this one was made to be yelled by the crowd live. The drums in the chorus and the little guitar squelch. What did that make you think of? 
Oh, you loved it. Well, I so I was going to say there's two parts to this song that I keep thinking about every time I see the name of it, and that's in the chorus when the guitar does that. Wad on, wad on. In the background, it almost if you isolate just the riff. It's kind of almost Rage Against the Machine-esque. I don't know if that's where you were going with it, mm-hmm. but because the song as a whole gives me like a Weezer meets Everclear kind of vibe. Weezer. Um, yeah, the, the whole song gives me like a Weezer kind of feel, especially uh, Beverly Hills. Because it has kind of the same rhythm and tempo. Um, I, I can hear Beverly Hills. I was actually feeling more Buddy Holly. In this song. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, that was uh, that was a good section of Weezer. It was fine. You know, I feel like the best section of Weezer was actually Pinkerton, but I'm pretty, I'm one of the few on that. <laughs> on that train but well so as soon as i heard buddy holly i was like that's all i can hear here now (laughs) i like uh uh, but i do like this song a lot and the other part i like so we're talking about the lyrics the lyrics get a little silly in here but i love the line where he says i need a lullaby i need some time i need to get a dime bag from my guy like i need a lullaby i need some time Yeah. But that's what I mean as far as those kind of like kind of silly, kind of in that nasally voice sort of will always root it in that pop punk thing, even though they're clearly trying to distance themselves from it. Yeah, they're clearly trying to. But the thing, like I said before, that is always going to keep them there is Max Collins voice. It's just always, sure. it's just going to. And that's one of the issues that I actually have on this album as a whole is he does not give us much dynamics as far as his voice goes. His voice kind of sounds the same everywhere, except for one track, which I will talk about it there. But okay, um, it's it actually sorry one track and then one place in one track. It's kind of <laughs> the same sound in his voice the entire time, and until he can get away from that, until yeah. he can push himself outside of that, they're gonna always be kind of put into that Eve Six pop punk corner. Yeah, they for just, sure they will. And they've also got to put out another hit for people to hear them and go, you know, Eve Six is different now and they're writing different music. But I think it's hard for a band to reinvent themselves like that. Well, and I'll be honest with you. I did check out a couple of their newer songs. They actually put out an album last year. They in did. 2022. They did. I saw that. I didn't listen to yeah. them, but. I, I vaguely remember listening to it when it first came out and I was not impressed. I don't, I don't remember exactly why, but I remember giving it sort of a cursory listen and being sort of meh on it. Okay. All right. I, I did not listen to any of their newer stuff. I just kind of swallowed this album as much as I could, but you know, if their new stuff isn't as great, it's a little disappointing because I feel like this album was a great progression from their first album. Now, the album that came out in 2012, 
I listened to some of it too, and that one I kind of remember being pretty good, being sort of a, a mix of the first three. Like it's got some rockier stuff, but it's got some catchy stuff. I remember that one being all right. Give me an Eve Six rockabilly album, or or don't and this don't, don't get or this might be controversial. <laughs> okay, <What's> don't. <laughs> No, I don't want an Eve 6 Rockabilly album. But what I do want to do is talk about track four, Still Here Waiting. Yeah, I want to go on this one. Um, This is another one where the production just kills it. Like the in in a bad way not in a good way the, the i love that guitar riff at the top it's yeah, very i i i gave it i said it was a it opens with a searing loud guitar riff and i said searing because it's like it just happens you're like oh oh that's dirty oh yeah for- yeah, coming out of track three, at least we're dreaming has sort of like we said that kind of Weezer kind of almost waltzy kind of bounce, and then this one kicks in with just a rocking, you know, rock and roll guitar riff. But then when the vocals come in, it, it they're so buried under the music. that you can barely hear him. Now, when you've got headphones on, it's a little bit better, but when you're in the car or you're listening to it, like on smaller speakers, he's so buried in the mix that he, I, he is buried in the mix, but he's doing good where he is. Like I do want him a bit higher, but he's good on it. He's not, well, he's not great. He's just, he's good on it. He kind of just sounds like himself again, but I think this one is a a production thing. You know, I think this was like you're saying he was buried in the mix. I mean, because this is an example of what happens when pop punk channels 1992. And yeah, like, this sounds like an old Sponge song. Like this sounds like something sponge. from that. God, I love those first couple albums. Don't even. Anyway, I, I was not. I wasn't saying anything bad about Sponge, but Sponge is not something you ever hear somebody uh, mention. If you want to know what Sponge sounds like, you can listen here. Oh, good. Perfect. Um, yeah. So obscure new metal, but also obscure nineties alternative. That's my second wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, you say what he's doing is good. It's just buried in the mix, but I disagree. Like the verses, he's like enough of the talking and a barking and a docking. Like he's like, I don't know, dude. I there. I don't like it. I love the guitar. That's about all I like. Did you like the little surf punk guitar solo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the music, not just the guitar, the music in general on this one's cool. But his vocals, like, I don't know what he's going for, but it ain't working for me. And honestly, his vocals may have been something that jumped out more to me in the chorus than in the verse. You know, yeah, I, I'm having trouble it's pulling a, this one back to memory as far as what it was I liked about it. But I just remember hearing it going, "It's I want it to be a little bit louder and you know a little bit more in the foreground." But I I think he's good. I think he's fine. The, 
the chorus is better. The the mix, his vocals come up a little bit, and he's da 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 da. da so it's kind of like catchy and and whatever. He's sort of like mumble talks in the verses or something. I, I it just occurred to me as you said that. So you know how an engineer live has to kind of be on the key or on the the board and like if the guitar player has a solo coming up he gets pushed up a little bit and then pulled back down afterwards i feel like that's almost what was happening in the booth during the recording of this like the engineer was adjusting kind of where he was going to put certain you know certain sounds at certain times in songs now i think there's you know a way to do that but I, I kind of feel like almost these songs were practiced and rehearsed and then just performed live in the studio and the engineers kind of did that. And it was like a one take deal for a lot of these songs. Might have been, honestly, because this album does have this not necessary sloppiness. That's not the right word, but it has this air of sort of we're doing it live. We're all jamming together. And cause every once in a while you'll, you'll hear his voice, not hit the perfect key. You'll hear like the beat get like slightly out of sync, probably cause they're just jamming live and they're probably cleaning it up as they go. Like you said, that's, that's entirely possible. Yeah. So that's, that's my theory on why this album sounds the way it does. Um, and you're right. they also tried to uh, tap into a producer from, 1992 i don't know yeah. i didn't look at the producer at all on this one you know what now that we're talking about it i i think i want to know producer greg wattenberg that is not a name that i am familiar with um Me either let's see if he has any uh grammy nominated songwriter and producer okay he co-wrote a john legend song hmm cool yeah Oh, okay, but he did he did do a Dishwalla album. He did a couple Five okay. for Fighting albums. All mm. right. That explains okay. things. Yeah. So. That Okay, interesting. All right, moving All right. on. Okay. So, let's talk about track 5, Good Lives. Grabbed my cash. Promised that forever we will never get better at growing up and learning to lie. And a good girlfriend she turned me in. I was lying with my eyes about adulterating. All right. Good intro. Good intro on this. Not not as great as that that guitar riff we got before. I think that's probably the best intro on this album. But good intro. The song has a good build, but the chorus sounds like it was written for the first album. <laughs> This, so, this sounds like a song that builds into the first album. So this is the start of an interesting trend on a handful of these songs on the back half where the intro doesn't really sound like the rest of the song. Right. And I even have in my notes that when this one first started, the feedback in the little guitar line, I wasn't feeling it. And then it almost immediately changes into something completely different yep. and sounds almost like a slowed down Blink-182 riff. I like this one, but but for this, the reason you just said, it reminds me of the first two albums. It sounds like it could have been written for either one of those. And he's almost like rapping in the verses. 
Um, but again, here's another one of those cringy lyrics where he sings the chorus and he says uh, something, something, will I be able to enjoy it uh, when I'm still young and horny? Like the oldest Like th- that's the stuff I'm talking about. Like that's that's the stuff that kind of pulls me out sometimes. No, I get that. I felt like this one was a leftover song from the first album. They tried to make work on the second album, couldn't quite get it there, and then they came up with another section of of stuff that was gonna work for it in some way, and smashed together two songs. I don't feel like this one actually completed the song. I mean, I don't feel like this one actually did it. It, it like I said, it builds up into a for, into a track for the first album. I like it. I don't love it. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't hate it. I thought it was a fine yeah. song. But what I do hate is track six, "Hey Montana." Waitressing to pay the rent. Drinks to quell. I do not need a cowboy pop punk acoustic track. Oh, God. I hate okay. this song. First line of my notes. Could have done without the meandering country song in the middle of the alt rock album. Yeah. I appreciate this- that they were trying something different. But I don't even try this. Okay. I got the impression that one day Max was sitting in the bus playing acoustic guitar, kind of just jamming. And he sang the line, Hey, Montana, take your daughter back. Did he say and it all times? Like he does in this song. Hey, Montana, take your daughter back. They all thought it sounded cool. And they were like, let's write a song around that. And after a minute or two, when it should have stopped, they just kept going. Why is this song five minutes long? They could have cut out half of those Hey Montanas and made it a three-minute song. Hey Montana, take your daughter back. Here's the thing. I don't mind an acoustic kind of country jam yeah. in the middle of this. That wouldn't have been the worst move, but... It just meanders. It doesn't do anything. It's so boring. <laughs> it's it's a cowboy pop punk acoustic track. It's like Max Collins wanted to write a song that he could play around a campfire. And it doesn't need to be here. Because we have a slowdown track on this album. And Right. You know, right. What was this? Uh, 12 tracks? Yeah. Give me an 11, 11 track album. And take this one off. Because you are now in the position as Eve six, a band that is really trying to grab its straws again to get your popularity back. If you want to get back into that scene and that running, and then you put a track like this on this album that is so different from your first album that a lot of people know, and they're going to get to this song and go, screw the rest of this. We're done here. This is one of those songs that makes me go, who is this for? Who are you like? It's for Montana. You're, yeah, who in your audience is going to be happy that this song is here? Like, who's like, nobody, there's nothing in those first two albums or the first half of this one to suggest that this is something people want to hear. And 
real quick, David, if this is your favorite song on this album, I do apologize. I don't, but David. Kind of David, fun. this is this can't be your favorite song on this album because you have better music taste than this song. I mean, that's true. Now, true. now I want to know. It'll give me a better understanding of what he is talking about. Is Montana a person or is Montana a state? Or is Montana a person that's as big as a state? Ooh, that's not it. Ooh, ooh. (laughs) that's nice. Um, I think it's a person and it's a made up person. And I think it just had a fun rhythm to it because no one has ever been named Montana. That's that's not a thing. I, I, thing. I have known people named other states since I have an Aunt Bunny. That's uh, fine. Yeah. None of them are Montana. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I think Montana might work as a name for somebody, but that Montana's not coming to the show it, because it was, she doesn't like this song. And, and for the record, Montana was Hannah's last name, but it was also a made up name. So it doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't. Let's talk about number seven. Bring on, bring the night on. You know that you're not just a number when you're under the covers. I'm under your thumb and you're the finest of specimens. Leaving me breathless, feeling and restless. Yes, and this is the one that I said is just this close, just a smidge away from, from being California a dreaming? from being a new metal song. Okay, why? Tell me, tell me why. Because all I heard in this one, especially in the intro, was California Dreaming guitar intro. So please tell me why this is almost a new metal song. So the guitar, I, you're you're saying California Dreaming, and I can hear a little bit of that. But that clean at that kind of a rhythm is very similar to bands like Cold and Puddle of Mud and that like post grunge early new metal kind of thing. He's basically rapping the verses, and then you've got this kind of big catchy chorus. But after the chorus, it goes to this jun jun gang jun 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 gang like. Hey. dissonant thing all of these are like right on the verge of those kind of new metal bands but they never go full into it like the guitar isn't heavy enough during that dissonant part to really capture that his flow in the verses is not quite rapping it's still a little bit of that kind of fast talking thing but like you just tweak a couple of little things here this would not feel out of place on something like a trust company or a taproot album so if eve six wanted to become a new metal band what would eve six's name be well i think eve seven is taken but that would have been cool because they could all switch to seven string guitars. Right, they could, or they could come out as Eve six six six. So track eight. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so bring the night on. I think actually is one of the better songs on this album. I do really enjoy this one. That guitar intro, like I said, California Dreaming all the way. I heard Mamas and Papas uh, for days in that <laughs> intro and. It's fine. I mean, it, it it's fine if you're you're wanting to go for you know, mamas and papas. But our points of reference are so across the board. We are. They they are. Day, 
I like this song. I do. It's it's a brooding song. The chorus is fun. You know, and this song after that after that intro, this song does really pull the dark feeling of yeah. of the album that honestly really picks up speed here. Mm-hmm. The first, you know, the first six tracks on this album, I didn't really feel it dark. I, I felt like it wasn't fun. I feel like it wasn't the happy-go-lucky Eve 6 that we did before. But it's like now we start going, Max is mad. Max is not happy. Well, so uh, he's definitely mad on Think Twice. But the other three songs around that, you're exactly right. So Think Twice sort of gets missed. And then track five, which was uh, Hey Montana, Good Lives. Oh, Good Lives. No, Sorry, that, Hey that, Montana six. All right. Yeah. So that one's still pretty. You know, the lyrics are a little bit depressing if you actually get into them. Hey Montana just sucks. And then you're back in. It's it's almost like the second album starts. And you're right. Yeah. It feels a little different now. And I felt like seven is where we really started to get the feeling of this album was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like from, you know, seven onward is actually a fairly solid album. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of every part of it, but I'm a bigger fan of the last half of this album, the back part of this album than I am the front. I really feel like we actually start to get where the production style starts to work in favor of the band instead of give you that. against the band. Yeah, I'll give you that. I feel like the production and the emotion starts to sync up better right. on some of these back tracks. Yep. That's not to say that I necessarily like them more than some of the first couple, but we'll we'll get there. I'm just going to say I like the the back part of this album more than I like the front part, but I still like some of the front part of the album yeah. more than the back half. Does any of that make sense? Yes. Um there's they do feel different like they definitely do feel different and and i i think that what you're saying is you like the songs some of the songs in the first half and some of the songs in the back half but the overall mood and vibe of the back half jives better with it works better with my emo picks that we've been talking about Yes, yes, it's definitely more on that wavelength than the bouncy, poppy, happy stuff that that I like. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about track eight, Friend of Mine. You know I don't want you to go. Friend of mine, stay alive, don't you leave me here. All alone in the world with a chronic tear. It's a fan favorite. I can see why. Is it? It is a fan favorite. There was actually, I I did a little digging into this album and this is a fan favorite. And I don't think it's a fan favorite because this is not a good track on the album. This is a great track live because this is, it's almost like this song was written for him to not be singing in the microphone the whole time, for him to let the crowd sing a lot of the time. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't like the guitar in the verses. The repetitive guitar on this track does not work for me, but this track would be great to see live. When the song first started, the the little kind of clean guitar line. Coming out of 
the track before it, Bring the Night On, I was kind of thinking it sounded sort of dark and they were going to go back into that sound. But instead, he sings and his vocals are like on the higher end. Of spilling some red in the sink. It wasn't the easiest year. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. When the drums kick in, I was like, oh, this is a Goo Goo Dolls song. Okay, gotcha. And I happen to like a couple of Goo Goo Doll records, so I'm not bad about that. I really enjoyed their first album, Boy Named Goo. I really like that song, or that album. Yeah, maybe one day we'll do one of their first couple albums. It's It's weird. <laughs> a boy named Goo is not, uh, not Goo Goo Dolls that everybody knows. Well, but Goo Goo Dolls' first like three albums, the bass player did most of the singing, and it's like raunchy punk rock. It's. It's very strange. Yeah. So, a boy named Goo, they start to become the Goo Goo that we know. <laughs> right, but they're not they're not all the way there yet. And this is going yeah. to be a, a, a poll that, speaking of our references being all over the place, okay, so the, uh, the uh, video for, I think it's Iris, yeah, that bass player, every time you see him, all I can see is the power hitter from uh, A League of Their Own. The girl that <laughs> that that was, her, like, even her own dad was like, she's not pretty, you know, but all I could see is her every time I see him in that video. And well, so that caused uh, me to see her every time after that. So well, that's like uh, their their most recent promo shot, because it's just the two guys now. It's right. it's Johnny Resnick and whoever the bass player guy. They, they lost is. a goo. Yeah, they're the goo dolls. No, uh, there's only two goos. It doesn't matter. They, um, but I've seen the meme where it's the two of them, and the caption is something like, "The goo goo dolls now look like your fun uncles or your fun aunts that let you drink at their house or something like that." Yeah, they do have this like cool old lady vibe about them. Yeah, but so does. Um... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what? So does so does Steven Tyler. <laughs> Oh, God, no. Steven Tyler looks like your grandmother at this point. He is decrepit. Anyway, back to Deep Six. (laughs) This song's fine. Next song, no. Um, To your point, though, about this being a good song live, that chorus is huge. It's catchy. Right. If you listen carefully, there's this cool little guitar line behind the chorus that I really dig. Uh, yeah, it's not one of my favorites on the album, but I could see it going over well. I actually like the verses because of that Goo Goo Doll feel. I don't have a big problem with this song, but it's not one of my favorites on this album. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's not it's not like in my top three on this album or anything, but I, it's fine. I like it. I don't feel like it fits into the back half of this album, and I feel like they probably had trouble figuring out where this song should go, but they really enjoyed this song. So, I, to your point, you put Friend of Mine in that front half, and you put Think Twice in the back half. That makes more sense. But then you're getting kind of lopsided on your track listings, I think. Well, I mean, I say turn Hey Montana into Bye Montana and get rid of it, and maybe switch Friend of Mine with 
think twice and then put think twice in hey montana spot yeah that wouldn't be bad kind of in the middle somewhere yeah, that's not right bad. but but again it's your single so you put it in the first two or three tracks usually so I yeah don't know. i i know i know but i mean why not change it up why not change it up why not do it different i don't know, I don't right. know. let's jump into track nine girlfriend featuring strange arrangements string arrangements by david campbell Strange arrangements, strange, indeed. Strange arrangements. All right. This was the slowdown of this album. Not, hey, Montana, this was the slowdown. Yeah. This is an overproduced acoustic track. It doesn't sound dirty like the rest. It sounds very clean. It's a good song, and I think it fits here perfectly. It's a breakup song. Just yeah. plain and simple, a breakup song. Most of these songs are. Yeah, fair enough. A lot of them are. Yeah. <laughs> And I felt like, you know, this was a slowdown that this album should have had, not Hey Montana, because this is the song that changes the pace, because I felt like the rest of this album was very different from the rest of the album before it. And so yeah. I feel like this really gave us a, like, hey, we're going to change the pace because it's really about to change. I like this song, though. I do think it's an overproduced acoustic track, though. Mm, this one is just, this is another one where I feel like the, it's hurt by the production. I feel like there's so much going on that they didn't take the time it needed to mix it in. Well, it sounds like when the song starts, it, it builds and I like the dynamics that it yeah. has. Then when the strings come in, I feel like they just sit, they just slap them right on top of the rest of the track. You're really gone. And you lose the rest of the stuff. Again, his vocals are like buried in the mix. And and I happen, there have been albums where I've heard where I like don't like how much louder the vocals are than the music. There was a trend there for a little while where that was pretty common. I hated it, but this is too far the other way. Like again, headphones, it's better. But if you're listening in the car or smaller speakers, it gets to the point where you can bear, like you can hear him singing, but you can't even really tell what he's saying. You know, I think we talked about this on a previous episode, but there's an album that I have and you said, you know who it is, but you can't think of who it is. And I can't think of who it is now either, but it says the album is meant to be listened to, not through good speakers, but through blown car speakers with the windows down going 60 miles an hour. And I feel like this is the way this album should be, or that's the way this album should be listened to. I haven't put it to the test because uh, we only had one day that was that warm around here to have both the windows down. So, you know. Yeah, but, if, but if I'm with the windows down, rolling down the highway, Girlfriend by Eve Six is not what I want. Like, not even a little bit. Oh, I think pulling up to a stoplight with your windows down and blaring Girlfriend <laughs> at full volume would be great. And then try to race somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, it's, you try it and then report back to me. No. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say I'm going to, but I'm, it's just not going to happen. No. No, not well, at least you're off. So, all right. Track 10. 
not going to be alone tonight. No? This one's a sinker. I don't like this one. Okay, you say this is a sinker, but I like this Eve 6. I like this Eve 6 that it's like they are not only channeling the uh, the production of 1992, they are channeling 1992 to its fullest. And, and I feel like where I was saying before, Girlfriend really changes the pace of this album. I feel like this is the one, actually this and the next two fully just lean heavy into that. And I well, like it. I will say the next song definitely dynamically is similar. And I like that one a lot better, but not going to be alone tonight. Just sounds like a big ball of fuzz. Like there's, I, I don't like his vocal delivery on it. I feel like, I don't know. There's something going on with his voice where I'm like, is this really the best take you guys could get? I don't like his little vocal warbling and the verses. Again, the production is just muddy. I get it. Like you said, I think a lot of that is intentional. It's supposed to sound like an old grunge song. And in that, and so in that case, they succeed. But that doesn't necessarily translate into something I want to listen to. Again, especially on an Eve 6 album. You know, like, yeah. I, I get what they're going for. And I guess they're nailing it. But it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. This one's kind of meh for me see i feel like this was a one take like we've we've practiced we've rehearsed the song and we're gonna now do this song and we're gonna make it happen in the studio and the big fuzz that you're talking about i really felt that more in the in the uh the verses than in the chorus and it was like it was in the verses where i was like this is a fun eve six i like this eve six and in the chorus it was like this is still acceptable eve six this reminds me of songs like um, Eeyore from the first Slipknot album. Eric, my eye from follow the leader. Like it reminds me of those songs that the band is doing live in the studio and it's a little sloppy and it's not perfect, but you can tell they're having a good time while they're playing it. But that's a hidden track. That's that's minutes after the last song. I don't know about it being in the middle of your album. Like we're in the just, la- we're in the la- we're in the home stretch on this one. We're in the last we, third. We are. I agree. But I don't know. Like this one just feels. I don't know. Like what you were saying about the back half of this album. I, I'm kind of on the opposite side with you on that because I feel like. I, I don't know. Like I, I girlfriend is fine. And then I don't like this one. So I'm, I'm sort of, I'm starting to get kind of uh, at, at this point of the album. But see this last, this, this last third of the album is really where they're, it's almost like they're writing an album for people that love the nineties grunge like me. And but, I like that. But see, I liked when they were they were Eve Six doing nineties grunge, not just a nineties grunge song. Like the like those songs we were talking about that have a little bit of Weezer, have a little bit of, you know, these other influences, they still sounded like Eve Six 
implementing those elements into their music. This doesn't have any real Eve 6 to it, I guess. See, I guess I still hear the Eve 6 to it because of Max Collins' voice. Because he still has that that same, you know, pop-punk tone, you know, and pronunciation yeah. across the board. And so I, yeah. I feel like this is Eve 6 doing more grunge than leaning more grunge. Let's put it that way. The next song, track 11, Hocus. That is Eve 6 doing grunge okay. to me. So you said Hocus. And I, am I wrong? Is that I, 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 don't, I don't know. And that's what I was getting at. It's like. <laughs> Um, you know, I look at signs upstairs because we still have Halloween decorations. You know, for anybody listening, uh, we're filming this on November 1st and right. uh, or, or recording this November 1st. And so Halloween decorations are still up. And so there's Hocus Same. Pocus signs up. And that's not Hocus, but it's also not Hokies. So what is it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with Hocus, but yeah. um, I'm not. Ma- hey, David, I, tell us how to say this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doubting your pronunciation, but it was like I look at it and go, "That's not this or this, but what is it?" <laughs> so, all right, all right, let's talk about the actual song now, not just the name. Yes, I I like this one. I like yeah. this one a lot. Uh, when it first started. <laughs> Again, some of these intros, like they don't actually go into what you think they're going to go into. And so I wasn't sure what to expect. But then the riff kicks in. It's a heavy riff. It's a gnarly guitar riff. Then you got these clean parts that, again, have that 90s grunge. But on this one, his vocals, he actually kind of gets away from some of his previous tones. And I I equated it to, I thought he had a little bit of a Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day kind of in the verses until he goes full Cobain in the back half. He sounds so much like Kurt Cobain, it's crazy. He's got that Kurt Cobain yeah down for sure on this one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I think yes. that's one of the reasons why I really like this one as well, because he does really kind of get away from that same tone that we've been talking about that he's had. Yeah. I don't hate what he was doing, but I definitely don't hate this. I want more no. of this. I, I want more of this, but this is not... Eve six. This is like the Max Collins solo project sort of sound, sort of song, but I like it. I don't have a problem with it at all. The song feels a bit fragmented to me, but not fragmented bad. Like it's fragmented, but barely hanging on. It's been duct taped back together. Well, but again, that kind of goes along with a lot of the songs on this album. Absolutely. They're not sloppy per se. They just sound partially because of that muddy mix partially because i think they did record a lot of it just live all in the same room together i think it's all intentional but this one's just more fun to me than than uh the last song this is fun cooking 
Yes. Uh, so for me, this this one just works better. I feel like this one and uh, Not Going to Be Alone Tonight definitely kind of are almost like companion pieces. Absolutely. But but this one works way better for me than than the other one. No, I I love this one. You know, you give me finally start to change your tone, your vocal, uh, your vocal tone this late in the album. And you give me this much of a punch in the gut of a song. Now, this song does have it's like a uh, like almost like a a tape recorder, like a a message machine sort of um, like voices talking like in the intro and outro. And then there's a little bit behind guitars. I didn't really find that to be necessary. I, right. That's what I mean. Like when it started, I didn't know, like the first time I listened to the album, I was like, I don't know where this is going to go. And then the guitar kicked in. And I was like, you should have done like on track four, like just yeah. kick in with that guitar. Just yeah. roll with that. Yeah. So outside of the voices, I don't really have any, you know, criticisms of this, this song at all. No, I like this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So since we both agree on Hokies, Hocus, whatever it's called, let's talk about the closer 12 arch drive. Goodbye. In pronouncing, like in saying that title, I have to go. I have to like stop and think about it because I want to say Arc Drive for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, actually, I have it written down A R C H. But when you said it, I actually did a double take. Like I thought it was Arc, but no, you're right. It is Arch Drive. Goodbye. Yep. It's all right. This is a great closer. I don't think this is a great Eve 6 song. It doesn't sound like Eve 6 until 2.31. Because it's... um, I I watched that and it was like, when it happened, it was... I had to do like a double take to the Spotify and they go, we've got two different bands on this this song i don't think it's a bad closer at all i think it's a decent closer let, let me let me read my notes. song let me read my notes here the guitar line sounded like a slowed down blink 182 again a lot yeah. of twinkly guitar parts catchy vocals but it's very sad sounding until around 231 and it kicks <laughs> up a notch and gets a little bouncier yeah <laughs> don't love the song as a whole but i do like that even though this is a softer song the album goes out on more of a rappy, upbeat part. Yeah. It's a it's a good closer. It's a decent song. It's it's a closer that feels like a closer to an album. It doesn't, you know, a lot of times a closer will still feel like we're still doing things and still, you know, going. I like it when a closer closes the album. It, 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 the song feels done. Yeah. And yeah, this one I, does it. Yeah, I feel like this one does a good job of bringing in elements of all the previous songs but going out on a very eve six note right and literally they change at 231 into eve six and go out there 
yeah, it literally sounds like to your point, it's almost like two different songs. Now there's, there's some other bands that do some stuff where there's like a literal stop and then it goes into a completely different piece. It's not that jarring, no. but it definitely feels, feels like a different section starts. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it flows together. Well, you know, it, yeah. it's not jarring and, and how it happens. It's not distracting and how it happens, but Overall, I would actually say that this is a, a fairly good album. It's not a great album, but yeah, it's fairly good. So do you want to give me your closing statement? Uh, in a minute, I was going to ask you. What's cooking? What's the what's the cooking song, chef? So off of this album, I don't think anything actually jumps out as a great cooking track. I feel like there are kind of overall, like, because the songs on this album are not too terribly long. I mean, we do have some longer ones at five minutes, four and a half minutes. But overall, it just kind of gives good background noise. But it's not distracting. I think the best one would be Hey Montana. She needs your care. These bustling streets. Because I can just picture you like boiling a pot of beans on an open fire out on the range. <laughs> so what Hey Montana does, like it's really convenient to listen to that song in the kitchen because I'm right by the oven that I want to put my head in when I hear this song. So God, it's a bad. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, what's new with you? Bring the night on. Not another day. I I already kind of said it while you we did. were discussing it, but yeah, that one to me is like two dial turns away from being a trust company taproot song, and I'm here for it. That's one of my that's probably my favorite song on the album it's just got a bounce and groove to it that really really warms monster's heart (laughs) (laughs) monsters black new metal heart cold death never mind um (laughs) okay so you want me to do my closing statements first yeah yeah go on we have okay david i hope we're still friends I feel like eve six started off as an alternative rock band with pop rock hooks But after they started to take off, their sound morphed into more of a pop rock band that could occasionally be heavy. I feel like on this third album, they decided to push back a little bit on that. The songs feel angstier and have moments of grunge and new poking their heads out here and there. And that suits them well. But what I think hurts this album is the production. The mix sounds muddy and uneven. The albums before this were clean and polished. This was probably deliberate to add to the darker, moodier vibe they were shooting for. But at the end of the day, it makes for a less enjoyable album for me. I was a pretty big fan of both of their previous albums, but never really gave this one a shot. So I'm glad I dug into it. I don't like it as much as the previous two, but there are definitely some very solid rock songs on here that I'll probably revisit when I'm in the right mood. One to ten. I'm going to go a 5.9. 5.9. Okay. Could not get to six. I just, I, I was thinking about some of the stuff I've given sixes that I have way more fun with. I, I can't, I can't go full six. Yep. So, okay. There's actually a part of this 
that I would change based on what we were talking about in the beginning, but I'm not going to because uh, this is my statement. But all right. It's all in your head is about the feeling of being lonely and wrought with despair. It's a great third album and shows what is probably happening to Eve Six. The regret of letting the passion slip away as pop punk wasn't at the front of most mouths in 2003. They fought it, but they didn't resist change entirely. The album has some step out tracks showing that they are pushing forward, changing the tides, if you will. But these three musicians stormed out of high school with a contract in hand from RCA and still wet behind the ears. They quickly put out their first album and showed they had potential. This album shows the potential has come in, but still has some room to grow. With two more albums in the can after this, knowing what they came from before, they must be worth a listen. Most of this album is two. I gave this album a six. That's fair. That's and, fair. And and I I had to look at what I've given things before that, and I couldn't justify this going six point five to seven. I just couldn't yeah. quite get there. So. And- and for me, like, even on the songs that I do like, that production really just kind of makes it less fun to listen to. And I, I've this is definitely one like we've talked about on other albums that I will have to be in the mood for because it is muddy and angsty. And if if I'm not in that mindset, this is going to just put me in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, I understand that for sure. So, so this so that gives it a what a 5.95. So you gave it a 5.9, I gave it a 6. It does put it at a 5.95, which puts it just below Caroline's spine attention please at 6 and just above uh Jay Seeker's sleep talk at 7 at 5.75. All right, if you disagree with us on our score and think it should have something different, please reach out to us on one of our social media platforms. Um Check us out on our Breakdowns for Breakfast Facebook page or shoot us an email at dangerandsarge at gmail.com. So, Monster, what are we listening to next week? Ooh, I'm excited. Next week, we are listening to Andreas and his 2017 debut album, Strange Memories on This Nervous Night. And Danger, you know I have cats, right? Yes. Do you know what cats eat for breakfast? What? Mice Krispies. (laughs) 